Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined by Mick, Darshana, Uber, and Christian to discuss the topic of mastering the art of collaboration, the best practices for thriving in distributed teams. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. Mick, you're kicking us off today. Yeah, hello everyone. Uh, good to see you all. And uh, thanks for, for having, having us on, uh, Sam. Um, I, uh, I'm heading a engineering and technology department in, in our operational area in, a, a, in Abacus Medicine, a pharmaceutical company. And um, yeah, um, we, we are, let's say, dealing with the, uh, with the translation of, of the business, uh, business goals, the directions of the company, uh, trying to translate that into operational technologies, technology that applies to, let's say, um, the, 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 um, the manufacturing floors in our facilities and uh, in general, try to support the business as, uh, as best as we can, um, ensuring the, the backbone, the operational backbone is, is always uh, thriving and uh, up to speed as expected by the commercial side. Um, yeah, been around here for, for quite some years, so I, I, I know a, a few insights and outside of, uh, of, our, of our business. But uh, glad to be here and thanks. Yeah, it's really great to have you on, Mick. Thank you. Over to Darshana next. Uh, thank you, sir. Like, uh, th again, thank you uh, for having me as always. Uh, a great work, man. And uh, yeah, hi to everyone. Yeah, so I'm Darshana and uh, I'm uh, working at MISC as a, in the capacity of uh, full stack engineer, engineering manager, uh, etc. So actually, we have remote teams. Uh, so yeah, uh, trying to be helpful for everyone. Uh, yeah, that's me. Uh, or do you, Sam? Thank you, Darshana. It's great to have you back. Yeah. Next up, Huber. Yes. Hi, all. So throughout my career, I have the privilege uh, of wearing multiple hats transitioning between multiple roles, such as developer, team lead, technical lead, and recently engineering manager. And of course, as the <laughs> situation demanded and opportunities rose, and while I was doing all this, I have managed to level myself up and I have managed to get leadership skills. And I really hope that my last 15 years will help me to grow on this journey. And I'm really hoping that my future, it will be around software and product development. Fantastic. And again, really great to have you back. And last but not least, Christian, over to you. Thank you very much, Sam, and also big thanks uh, for having me uh, back again. It's nice to be uh, back in the room here and uh, with this nice audience. Uh, thanks all. Um, yeah, so my name is Christian. I'm based in Copenhagen. Uh, I'm a senior engineering manager and uh, similar to my companions here, uh, have many years experience within software engineering. Uh, that's where I come from and then uh, leveled up or down, depends how you look at it. <laughs> um, over the years, I um, have been in the recent, I don't know how many years now, I've been focusing on uh, on the engineering craft from a managerial perspective and uh, drive um, multiple teams, been over many years now working with distributed teams and uh, different sizes of organization. So that's really how I contribute here in this uh, conversation because, uh, yeah, in this new modern world, I think it's a, it's a very interesting topic. Uh, on the personal side, just to add a little bit of tidbit there, I have a family with two kids who keep annoying me, even though they're uh, small, to really have that self-perception. Uh, they're really, really good in that. Um, so it's uh, nice to have a little bit of time away from them. <laughs> well, it's glad to have you back. And I'm glad we were able to provide that for you, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> awesome. Hi, everyone. This is Chris Bennett here, the Knowledge Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data, product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast.
Well, guys, now that we've established the context around each of you, let's move on to the topic in focus. We all have a question or a statement around distributed teams and the best practices around that. Uh, and as usual, we'll work away around the room and you're able to pose your question and the reasons behind it uh, and give everyone a chance to give their uh, take on the situation. Uber, I believe we're starting with your question. You want to know how to keep up the motivation, engagement and passion in distributed teams. And I'll come to you for some context before we pass it around. So throughout my career, predominantly, I was a software developer. I have collaborated with individuals from diverse backgrounds and varying levels of expertise. Uh, while I consider myself deeply passionate, particularly in the realm of test-driven development, there has been occasions where my motivation wins. And being surrounded by my team, uh, actually it helped me to facilitate with a swift return to my usual state and, and to see it. However, this temporary lapse impacted the engagement with the product and subsequently affected the whole product and how we are being seen. Uh, presently, I serve as an engineering manager overseeing multiple teams, spanning multiple locations, starting from uh, Denmark, India, England, Poland, the US. I do see this as a day-to-day -day challenge, especially that we are not sitting right next to each other. And from my perspective, this is relatively hard to figure out how to handle simple questions like how are you do you want to have lunch what do you want to do further you need to have some sort of a digital way to reach out and have this engagement and primarily at this point i am working how to handle these situations how to integrate my teams and how to facilitate the knowledge sharing, how to facilitate the standardizing the skill levels among the team members. And I do realize that this is a transformation also because I am trying to build not just a team, but a culture too, which works for us. And it works not just for the individuals. Also, I am trying to use the personal development as part of uh, this facilitation and also empowering the individuals to help themselves to make a better version how they are and also perhaps to use us uh, as a catalyst to motivate themselves. So I was wondering if you have seen similar challenges and how have you tried to deal with a challenging uh, environment and how have you tried to engage them in this new distributed work environment. Thank you, Huber. Christian, I believe we're coming to you first for this question. Sure, thanks. Um, yeah, it's a um... It's a it's a it's a very interesting reflection you have there, and um, I can I can certainly relate to that. So I would say um, some of it you already brought up in in, uh, in the focus of having an, an individuals um, to understand really the passion from a, from a team. You you also look, need to look at the individuals and uh, and understanding what is their motivation and driver. Um, I think a way of doing this is um, and I and, and in that perspective it's not so much different if they, you're physically in the room or if you distribute. Uh, but having that uh, trust uh, relationship uh, on a one-on-one -on -one basis and, and understanding the individual and where the individual is coming from. Um, and then I think uh, the way how you can lead it, which would be then really my answer here, is uh, by goal setting. So you work with the individual of setting clear goals, um, and then this can you you can triple up uh, to the team level, which then hopefully um, helps the motivation uh, and, and something that is you you can you can track because you can use it in a sort of a retrospective over time. So you, you set a clear goal um, on on an individual level, but but then also on a team level, and then you can. Um, use this to to look back and say hey have you achieved this uh, are we progressing and 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 that is a nice bar to for measurement which works wonderfully well because we have these digital tools uh, whatever you use in your organization uh, i mean you can use word for that matter uh, to write it down and, uh, and 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 just have sort of sort of a contract between you um, of how to have that, and and then with that you have the engagement as well um, as in your regular one-on-ones uh, to check check kick on that uh, how are you doing and track progress. So I think that's kind of my short answer on that. Thank you, Christian. Mick, you're up next. 
Yeah, um, l luckily, uh, I think that's very suitable for for today's discussion as well. We are we are uh, actively working with um, with let's say included uh, inclusive leadership across uh, borders, across uh, cultures, uh, across departments, and recently also have had the discussion on on leading at a distance, right? Um, and uh, so, so for me, that right now is is very much a hot topic and a relevant, uh, relevant area to discuss. And one of the things that I would say, despite being able to arrange one-on-ones and all of these things, right, we tend to um, when we have planned meetings, uh, and I guess this is some of the things that you're also experiencing, Hoover, that. Despite those meetings allowing for this chit chat, the personal talks, the uh, you know the things that might motivate people behind just having a job, those things are so difficult to informally just put in a meeting because that meeting is formally in the calendar, it's formally array arranged, and and then that block is in everyone's calendar, and you tend to do it then. Oh, then we have a certain agenda to take up the time we're using each other's professional time and whatnot. So, so actually, one of the things that we try to to focus on is how how do we create then that that casual environment between the distributed teams instead of having it blocked into calendars. And some of the suggestions were like do uh, casually calls to the colleagues around the, the the global teams, right? What would happen? That was one of the questions that arose. What would happen? And he said, Mick, what if you called one of your you know, one of your direct reports in another country on a Friday afternoon at three o'clock and said, hey, I just wish you a wonderful weekend. What would the reaction be? And and everyone was laughing and saying, hey, that person would probably say, thank you, Mick, but what do you want? Like what that would be the instant reaction. What do you want from me? Because normally when we set up these distributed team interactions it's because we have something to share something to gain from each other and that was really interesting so i took that very practically on friday last week i called two of my direct reports in another country and yes i got the reaction uh, but anyway we were also having a, a fun about it and in the end i just wanted them actually uh, to have a nice weekend and uh, and wish them so so um so yeah i i the, the summary of this for me uh, to also give you maybe some concrete things uh, huba is uh, find out ways outside of from formal settings where you can trigger engagement motivation and and even the relationship building towards those uh, distributed member of the teams um we talked very much about also that calendars has a physical tendency to create a physical barrier so your colleagues around the globe looks at your calendar and sees just blocks right you're busy you're blocked out your availability your approachability is non-existing so also be aware of how can you communicate more clearly when you're available that you are approachable instead of just saying look at my calendar and fill in the spots that there is missing out right um, so yeah, hope that some of the things that you could also use, Huber, uh, was very uh, uh, good for me at least to to know. Thanks. Thank you, Mick, and Darshana, over to you. Oh, thank you, Sam. I I think Christine and Mick covered most of the <laughs> most of the good things uh, that that uh, would be work uh, in in a remote culture. Uh, so uh, first of all, I, I I will try to approach this question or any other subsequent questions that we're going to discuss during this podcast in in, uh, in this um, way. Uh, for me, because I, I worked with over my uh, career with remote organizations, which have uh, distributed teams and also non-distributed teams in, in both. So in, in the both cases, I would say for any kind of motivation, engagement, or like the things that we are going to try to uh, achieve from a distributed team, it depends on which space your organization in, in the first place. Because remote organization were, was not the big thing before COVID. So, so what I'm trying to say is the emphasis on remote organization was a discussion on, on a high scale in a global level was actually fueled by COVID. So what I'm trying to say is, is your organization used to work as a distributed organization in the first place over the last 10, 15 years? Or your organization is a new one, try 
impacted by covid so it was forced to become a dis- or like a distributed team or are your distributed team due to the cost situation in your organization so depend on what are the underlying business objectives you have would have a direct impact on how to keep your team motivated in the first place so i would say let's imagine you knew what you are doing you are already a distributed organization for the last 3 to 4 years you operated in that manner if that the case i would say yes one on one is the best tool i had a direct impact I like could have feel that can motivate a person because it's just you and another person and listening to them and try to gather something from them and try to make an impact based on their feedback so yeah apart from that uh, another thing that i can add this apart from what christian and mix said having some buffer on your weekly time consumption like for an example it's by 8 hours per day 5 days per week kind of a setup like 40 hours have some buffer allow them to have some communities built within those distributed teams about the things they have interest in in and allow them to talk about it or work together to like showcase something it may not be impact the business but allow them to like create the mindset about hey doesn't matter we are distributed team the the, the organization allowing us to talk about or showcase or about the things that we care about i think that would be a really good uh, fuel to like to keep that fire in a, in in a person about that respective uh, uh, thing that they are passionate or learned for the 10 to 15 years they are in their career uh, to like keep it going uh, so i may be biased because i am a software engineer this would apply for any other uh, distributed teams uh, in different uh, careers as well it it may be a different career it may be a content creator it, it may be a i do not know like a, a game um, uh, what do you call a product developer doesn't matter whatever it is let them have their own communities uh, and allow the time in the week or the month or the day for them to engage on those activities i i think uh, that would be a good thing uh, yeah that's me uh, over to you sir thank you dashan it's always difficult going last i suppose on the panel to uh, to give some points that's not already been covered so i appreciate that one hubert just to to summarize for us have you got anything to add on what the guys have said Uh, from my side actually i am trying various different things as i have mentioned part of the personal development plan uh trying to utilize different methods sharing the knowledge having uh friday refactoring sessions and so on uh loaning people to other teams or getting help from others uh i don't know using uh different methodologies test driven development and so on having all these sessions it Perhaps to a certain extent, but of course, uh, I tend to use also other domains, not just software, uh, to improve myself and try to get inspiration. How else I can drive the engagement? And I've got some answers, so I am really happy for it. Fantastic! I'm glad to hear that. I think that will finish off uh, for the question here. Uh, Christian's question is next. And he wants to know: Do you have a strategy for onboarding new members in distributed teams with a focus on culture and mindset? Christian, coming to you, tell us the thinking behind this one. Yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> so in the past, I um, I had uh, in a previous workplace, I actually um, was helping to um, set up a new office. Um, Uh, remote office already having uh, distributed teams and by the way distributed teams already is like, it, it, these days you mentioned it Dashana uh, as soon as one member of the team is working from home the team is already distributed right uh, so uh, pretty much all meetings these days take in, in one way or the other uh, place distributed which is which is an interesting i think <clears throat> And, and and I agree with your sentiment earlier that uh, organizationally it, it created a lot of change with with uh, COVID or post COVID. Um, anyways, bringing it back to my question, so opening an, uh, a new office hub in a in a different pl- um, yeah location, uh, country also. Um, um, it's that the, the thought was really okay. It's not just about onboarding uh, from a, from a technical aspect, so making sure that you you understand the context and how to deliver that message, but also really making sure that you get a cultural onboarding because these people they should be part of 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 
of your company and and as a as an engineer manager for that case uh you're also responsible to uh, to oblige and set the set the roadmap for that right um so uh, i just wanted to hear do you have any experience with that do you have any some best practices that you have apply to to make sure that this is being hold and and maybe even some uh stakeholders you rely on in this case i don't know um so th that's that's kind of the the thought behind it Rick, you have the pleasure of going first on this one yeah thanks sam uh Oh, uh, Christian, uh, we, we can touch upon many things uh, in in uh, in regards to to especially also culture and and mindset, uh, and then uh, even even when before they interest the company, right? This is potential colleagues that we we might looking at here. So um, in what what we have have tried to uh, to emphasize across. Uh, departments, borders, cultures, and whatnot is awareness, right? Um, Building a a a an understanding uh, around in the organization that uh, that there is a, a necessity of bringing in um, not just equal like-minded people but also diverse people. Right. So your question at least uh, drives me directly towards uh, you know the whole diversity inclusion uh, part as well, which is. Uh, I would say uh, difficult not to to touch upon when when you ask such a question here because strategically there is a, a huge emphasis on companies working towards that uh, uh, aligned uh, understood common culture and and that mindset. On the other side, we should also not be biased of only hiring like-minded people or similar people to us. So the minimis across our company, right? So. I don't have necessarily a, a toolbox to throw you away, Christian, or a, a specific uh, specific uh, do this next time. I just believe that uh, the awareness of uh, each of us's different um, personalities, competences, ages, uh, all of these things that are relevant when we talk uh, 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 diversity in general is important to have a not necessarily a strategy, but have it considered in the organization. And that being said, I don't necessarily agree with that. Uh, uh, in some departments, it makes sense to hire certain mindsets, certain competences in in where other uh, departments it might uh, completely di be different. So, um, so I, for for me, it goes. It's difficult to to make a strategy about, but it goes a lot into awareness. I would say to summarize my 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 first uh, comment also. Thanks. Yeah, thank you, Mick and Darshana. You're able to go second this time. <laughs> thank you, sir. Uh, I I would have to so one thing about this question. This is one of my favorite questions uh, among other questions because this is a really important thing. It doesn't matter you are distributed organization or not. Uh, so I will rephrase the question again. A strategy for onboarding new members in distributed teams focusing on culture and mindset. So I would say you need to have, like I'm talking from generally, like if you are the organization, I would say it doesn't matter your distributed team or not. You need to have a generally strategy for onboarding new members. Then you need to have a dialed down, especially catered strategy originated from or derived from the original strategy for that new member. Why? Because let's say you why you are bringing this new member in the first place if it's a large organization that well-established organization that is running engineering teams or whatever the teams they are running for the last five to ten years you're bringing new member are you bringing new member to like bring new specialization into your organization or big or otherwise it's to like in, improve your capacity or are you in a small organization I would say startup <laughs> buzzword these days. That because you need to move in a faster phase. So, or is it a different objective? What is the objective you are trying to achieve? Depend on that, I think this onboarding strategy should have the necessary uh, customization done uh, to like achieve that goal. So, in my, this is not a hard rule, but in my opinion, one thing I would like to emphasize on: give them time. Give them time to slowly understand the organization and give them time to that. What I'm trying to say is the sweet spot would be around 90 days if it is your well-established organization trying to improve the capacity because you you should have multiple ton of process if you're a big organization. Give them time to slowly understand it. Give them responsibilities in incremental manner. So th then that way it will give them some time and at this after that 
review that and celebrate the onboarding after 90 days. I think that would give the landmark for them. Okay, now I'm properly onboarded and I know everyone and I know how certain process works. So I think that would be a really good approach if you have a large organization. But if you're a startup, it's much harder for you because if you're a startup trying to get things done because that you're in that mindset most of the time, and if uh, I'm not talking about the startup like being there for five to six years, I, I'm talking about real startups <laughs> that have been invested and went from seeding around or something like that and trying to get things done. Then you, I don't think you have the 90 day luxury most of the time. If that's the case, talk among your current peers what you're trying to achieve and come up with the plan because for a startup, I think it's dependent. I can't give you an exact answer uh, if that's the case because it depends on what, what, what you're trying to achieve. Uh, so yeah, this is my take on it. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Darshana. And Huber, over to you. So from my side, actually, everything starts with the hiring process because onboarding doesn't really have any special meaning. Usually you do have an HR person or a whole department or multiple departments distributed who are handling most of the cases. But if you think about it, it is equally important to find a equally good matching uh, new joiner who will be joining an existing team with an existing culture. Perhaps you would like to change and therefore you need to think about how does that person fit. If I do think about the core values, for example, what Maersk has and what believes in it is the constant care, humbleness, our employees, uprightness and our name. Can I imagine that person having those values how does it fit from a corporate perspective because right now we are talking about 100 plus thousand people and one individual can affect the whole company too and also we are representing the company whom uh, we are working for therefore for me it is important to find the balance between the technical skills the hiring process and ultimately uh, the first couple of weeks and months and of course, everything, it has its own uh, challenges. And as many of you have said already, it is challenging. And especially nowadays, usually you are not trying to find local people because of various reasons. Cost cutting, uh, <clears throat> you need diversity, you need more resources, you need to have specialized skills and so on. So for me, everything starts in the moment when you start to have the first conversation with the candidates. And having a full remote uh, onboarding, of course, it has its own technical issues. But if I am thinking about <clears throat> concrete examples, if I am doing, for example, uh, extreme programming with one of my teams and I would need to hire somebody there, of course, I would like to know and I would like to test out that, okay, this will work. And I need to do that by involving the teams as early as possible in the whole process, also empowering them to make a judgment call if they are willing to work with a new person. And I sincerely believe in the fact that this decision, it shouldn't be on one person. So before we are talking onboarding and so on, it is a huge process, but this whole thing, it needs to be built by the team and by the company together. So whenever we are talking about onboarding, this whole process, it needs to be built by everybody. And also I'm expecting huge contributions from anybody who is being involved uh, in this whole process. And of course, we need to be aware of the culture. We need to be aware where we are hiring. We need to be aware of the differences and what to expect. And hopefully by being more and more people being involved in the whole process, including the onboarding, it should soften the whole process. And as Darshan mentioned, 90 days, it is relatively a sweet spot. Also, I do have expectations and having a plan, having a first month plan, three months, first three months, first nine months, one year, and actually building a personal development and building these objectives upfront, it makes a huge difference. And at the end of the day, at least for me, I don't need anything else besides a computer, perhaps a phone, 
they are every now and then interchangeable, uh, especially for me as a manager, but also for developers, it is relatively straightforward. So if everybody is comfortable to actually deliver in the format how it was upfront agreed, I do believe it can be relatively uh, seamless. Back to you, Sam. Thank you, Ben. Christian, I'm going to pass it straight over to you to summarize and perhaps add your own thoughts. Yeah, sure. Thanks a lot, uh, everybody, for for the answer. I'd say the answers. It's uh, yeah, some some great takes. Um, <clears throat> I uh, I would uh, yeah pick up on uh, on what you just said, uh, Hubert. Uh, I I would uh, totally agree. It starts with. Um, with having a proper hiring strategy and probably the onboarding should be should be part of your hiring strategy. Uh, so you have like uh, that contingency in mind. Uh, it's also a very good point, uh, Dashana, with with the goal setting of 90 days, where you usually have these uh, first three months as your uh, probation period, and and you take you you want to have the quick goals uh, set in right away, so you achieve that. Um, so you, you you need to start right away to to have that. Um, I'm thinking a little bit on. On a day-to-day, -day as a as a manager of what what could I potentially do and bring bring to the table? Because um, some of the things as mentioned as uh, diversity, diversity and inclusion, is might be more a uh, high level, especially in large organizations like like you work in uh, Huber and, and Dashana. Um, don't know too much about US make, um, admittedly, but but um, but in larger organizations, it's difficult to have an impact on some of these topics, right? Because there are some specific departments in charge of these uh so bringing it back to what i can do as a manager is i think um aside of what you said is as maybe also have uh, the occasional physical presence um i think it is important to to have uh we have all the tools uh, these days uh, we're using one of them right now uh to to, to have these virtual check-ins and uh, and 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 basically keep track of the work and the progress so i think the tooling is really there that's not the problem but it's more of like uh, also the engagement on the, on 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 uh, irregular basis in this case and and uh, build that connection um and take the time out and really make sure that you have the budget to occasionally have that travel uh to get the team together um everybody and in, in a physical presence and do some offsite activities all together i think that that is gold uh, in this and uh, and probably going to start it from a strategic perspective early on so so that the person in in their onboarding journey and in their longevity really understand what is the value what is the value that the team represents what is the company standing for and uh I think I would really encourage anybody to to kind of fight for that extra bit of uh, budget for these things because, of course, admittedly in a startup setup that might be difficult because you don't have that you need to uh, turn around every nickel and a dime right, but uh, but if you have a little bit of budget then I think it's it's uh, money well vested you will get that back again later and uh, we often forget that there's a lot of savings but the more you invest in people the more you get back again so I think that's shortly my summary Darshan, have you got something to add to that yeah like i just want to like it's a it's a really good point that christian mentioned because uh some sometimes uh this is this is some kind of a phrase i would i just wanted to add i i thought it would be uh, uh make things very clear so someone can ask the question like what would happen if we invest time and uh, uh, all the resources uh, that we have time is a resource of course so all the resources we have to onboard these uh, new uh, members and train them and they leave the company after in a very short amount of time but the real question i think uh, if it is a large organization should ask is what would happen you don't properly train them if they stay for a longer time so i think i think uh, so yes uh, having a budget for properly onboarding people is, is something that should every organization look look up to even if it's a startup like depend on what you can master but uh, because uh, like not properly trained members or people would do a lot of damage to the organization contrast to having well-trained people about the organization's values. Yeah, it's a really great point to finish on. And, uh, well, Christian, you got something to add? Yeah, yeah, I just kept to think that um, in addition to what you said there, Dashana, um, is that the, the, these people you, you get onboarded, uh, they also, you're coming uh, culture barriers, right, for that um, subset of your of your business or your team in a in a distributed manner, and in in, in many other companies these days also operate with totally distributed teams. I know that. Uh, uh, 
streaming music provider from Europe uh, somewhere in Scandinavia is is doing uh, this where they have like this region where you can work from anywhere and um, that created a lot of hype and, and uh, popular media and uh, I think that's an interesting concept but of course you need somehow to make sure that you still have a liaison with that uh, company you work for right and because otherwise you kind of become an totally independent um, and just work on some tasks. So there, there are some difficulties in this remote setup, totally admittedly, but uh, I think getting the band back together, not to be too cheesy about this, is I think an interesting point to uh, take into consideration. Yeah, it definitely is. Well, thank you guys for, for that question. Thank you, Christian. Moving on to mixed question now. He wants to know, how do you cascade a corporate strategy into distributed and global organization and he's got some context for us to add to that yeah I, I, first of all i think uh, christian's uh, questions really warmed up the the session here in terms of uh, speaking uh, towards strategy right uh, so so going from uh, the more uh, concrete onboarding strategy um i i'm trying to to uh, get some inputs here on on general strategy implementation in an organization uh, especially in the distributed setup so um working with strategy even 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 constituting or creating the strategy and after that even implementing or cascading it into the organization we are all aware of some of the pitfalls right that uh, you know if we are not including people along the way in the organization we we might face difficulties getting the the goals that we would like to achieve we we might also uh, know that workshops along the way would be very good and have to like physically close contact with the with the colleagues around the the offices involved um which also triggers into some of the touch points we've had already about engagement and motivation in in distributed teams right and strategy is is such a uh, Christian said something about the high level things, right? Uh, strategies can tend to be very high level for a lot of people, especially in large organizations when you go to uh, smaller engineering departments or the shop floor or uh, manufacturing sites and whatnot. Um, so I would like to to very much have uh, your opinion guys here on 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 those, uh, the 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 global setting and the cascading of of strategies into into that. Thank you, Mick. Darshana, you get to go first on this one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is a good one. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, thank you, Mika, uh, for asking this. So, uh, first of all, I have to say uh, it depends on what kind of a strategy it is, but still, uh, I think if it is a distributed team, I would like to highlight one point uh, that would help to like achieve whatever the uh, impact uh, that they that the organizations try to achieve coming off with this strategy in the first place. Because corporate strategy, how it doesn't matter how much beautify or like uh, try to wrap it in, it will uh, narrow down to one word. I think change. So, so this is uh, this is uh, something that most of the time people react in different manner. But in generally, I have seen like people kind of resistant to change. <laughs> so, so, uh, so uh, if it is a distributed team, uh, there's something I would like to like. Uh, there are many things that the you need to do to like to uh, make sure the, that uh, uh, corporate strategy executed properly, like top-down communication, except I think uh, uh, the other well-experienced uh, uh, members in this uh, discussion would emphasize on those things. But I would like to emphasize on one thing. It is for customize, customizing your strategy for the local context. What I'm trying to say is, if you have a really big organization, like a multinational organization, uh, like distributed across multiple regions in the world, so whatever you are trying to achieve, you can't put that strategy to each local context that it is. It will not fit. To, so you need to have some window that will not deviate in you too far from this impact that you need to have. Also, make sure that is a little bit customized or flexible for that local context. You're like It may be time zone. Okay? It may be the government, uh, like the, the respective government uh, or the, the uh, political, uh, like, uh, condition in that region at that time okay so you need always to like uh, let's uh, like instead of beating around the bush i will take an example let's say you need to say hey guys our uh, uh, we need to increase uh, our uh, what do you call the workforce by 10 percent 
for like we need to hire more people to bring this uh, expertise to our organization we are going for ai or something like that uh, so we need to have that kind of uh, expertise in our team and we have a global strategy uh, around that or something like that you need always take the uh, local context with like in 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 asia or like america like a, a western region or something like that or in very far so i live in denmark so australia is very far for me <laughs> to that region how to get customization that uh, local context so this is something i think uh, would be help you to like uh, make sure people are happy with that strategy and it can be properly executed so uh, over to you sam uh, again thank you <laughs> thank you darshana and um, hiba you're up next it is funny because I had a nice little answer prepared for this. And after hearing all these nice uh, point of views, I have decided that I would change my mind and actually I will come up with something totally different. But basically, I do believe that given that a company has values and it has its own identity, I would say that if you can drive this strategy into passion and if you can formulate that, okay, whatever we are doing here, it needs to happen because this is the strategy. This is something which we would like to do no matter what. If you can get the people on board and if you can drive as part of whatever they are doing integrated and then being engaged and actually contributing also to the strategy i would say that is the best way to go otherwise you will have frictions and of course you do not have the option all the time to meet up and have workshop and so on for me especially in the last couple of years, it was almost impossible to gather everybody into one location. First and foremost, it just costs way too much money. Second of all, it doesn't make any sense. On the other hand, I had the opportunity to have mini workshops with smaller groups where we were having part of the team building. Uh, also, we were working on trust. Plus, we were working on strategy. We were working on the product and the roadmap while we were doing all sorts of fun exercises. Therefore, for me, it was much more important to actually build the culture, try to build the passion towards what we are doing, because that will drive the strategy too. Because if something is mandated, most probably it will fail. You need to get the people on board. And of course, you need to, you need to help them to understand and facilitate and bridge the gap would it have been easier if everybody would have been in person and just okay a big bang maybe on the other hand also i do know that it is easier to talk to smaller groups and have focus groups and to adopt and facilitate uh, all these changes in regards of strategy uh, for smaller groups so from my point of view it makes sense to live whatever we believe in and having good values. I think it is equally important because your values at the end of the day, if they translate to the strategy, then also it is easier to live your values. Therefore, you will not have any problems and perhaps you don't need to have uh, on a day to day basis, uh, meetings, workshops and so on. And if you combine this whole situation with a proper culture, which you are building together, hopefully based on the values, based on the strategy, everything, it will be just like a smooth machine. If we are talking about thousands of people, of course, it is not that straightforward. So here I am making the assumption that the group it is relatively small. If you need to associate and assimilate to a large group of people, to a large organization, it has its own challenges and it will be always different. But at the end of the day, as I have mentioned earlier, we are working for a company and we are representing the company. And in the same way, how we should believe in the values, also we should believe in this strategy too. If we don't, we should raise our voices and we should somehow influence also the strategy. That is also our responsibility, in my opinion. Over to you, Sam. Fantastic. For a man who changed his answer, that was a great one. <laughs> Christian, I'm coming to you last. Well, I, I haven't prepared my answers uh, before. <laughs> um, well, I think um, I would try to um, 
bring it down onto the individual and uh, see like if you if you have it on a, on a corporate level and really try to it, that's oftentimes the case i mean in my case i i work with software engineers or or the likes um so that could be product managers or stuff like that <laughs> not to be sound harassing um uh, <clears throat> um yeah so so what i mean by that is you 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 have a you you have a corporate strategy you have a, a area okr or kpi even uh how how does that affect me i think it's really important to triple that down and bring it back to the individuals like hey you as an individual and your team what does what does that uh, the effect you have towards this goal and to make that clear um so because because we are we're all together in this we all contribute to to the bigger picture right and so if 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 i on an individual uh, level can understand uh what my impact is it's also easier to contribute to the journey ahead so i think that's super important um yeah i keep it brief for now Hubert, you have a you have a point uh, yes, actually, I was having just a last thought in regards of the whole strategy and how to implement it. And basically, I do have just one question. If you cannot really solve these challenges on a company or on a team level, are you ready to be a truly remote team or company? Because that is the ultimate question. I think Vic will come come back to you for this one, <laughs> a question to a question. <laughs> Thanks for leaving me with a philosophical uh, question here, Huber, in the end, uh, that I uh, might not even uh, know how to answer. Um, though, but um, yeah, you you guys touch upon uh, a lot of the things. Uh, I'll let uh, Dashana also add a, a comment here before I, I, I head on to to summarize. Uh, no, no worries, uh, Mika. You can go first if you want to. I said I just because it, what Huber actually asked is a really good one. So I, I just want to make sure that uh, I just want to share something on that one. Can you become really a, a distributed team? I I, didn't, I I think like doesn't matter if you distribute or not, you can't become organized in the first place. Uh, if you if you can't do that, uh, because uh, because uh, if you I I think you guys have watched or maybe not. There's a TV show called Silicon Valley, like uh, popular. So in in one of the time they wanted to hire a new CEO, and but the original founder was a software engineer, so he doesn't like to give up his company but then uh, when he visited the ceo and uh, the, the he rejected i know it's a tv show but it's say, a really good message say he said uh, uh, the ceo said hey if you don't want to do this i i don't want to either so he asked like why like the pay is good and everything he said it's hard to achieve something or do something when all the people are in agreement with it imagine how hard it is to do when people are not agreement with it in the first place Right, so so that's bottom down to it. I think you can have organization for the namesake, but you will not have the impact you wanted if if those things are not taken care of in the first place. So yeah, over to you, Mick. I'm sorry for taking some time off here. No problem, no problem. Uh, adding uh, further uh, further complexity to the to the question. That's uh, that's good, Tashana. Uh, thanks a lot. Uh, no, I, I get the point uh, of uh, of Hubei in the end. Like, are you are you then really fit for that uh, as an organization. Though I still believe, even distributed or not, uh, cascading a strategy into smaller local teams, local parts of the organization is even relevant, uh, you know, for non-distributed teams, like even sitting locally together in a, in a company, right? Um, and some of you touch upon some of the key elements of it, like how do you make sure that an employee that sits uh, having a daily uh, engineering work, software work or whatever, that when they are coding, when they're providing content to uh, to the, to the uh, let's say, the back end of the company, how do they translate that as being part of their the corporate strategy? Um, that is difficult, right? So when you make those code lines every day, how does that really uh, fit with, let's say, a corporate strategy of uh, tripling our volume of uh, of uh, of uh, of output, right? Or how does that really uh, fit with the uh, you know being, let's say, 
a corporate strategy of being more diverse or what so so i think it's up to the local managers the local teams to uh, to take the elements that we're working with on a daily level and then together with the team try to say okay but how do we that add value doing our daily work how does that code you're doing if we look at it on a more broader sense you're doing that code to I don't know, support uh, our IT infrastructure, our systems, which are used daily by operators or by commercial sites or whatnot. And they need to uh, have a security when they work in their systems in order to bring the value in their department and so on and so forth. So I think it's about also sharing across the organization which elements and roles do we play, each of us, that fits all together as part of that strategy, because as you guys also mentioned, strategy cannot be done just just top down or just by solely a few people. It's about a corporate commitment for everyone, top down or bottom up. Um, so um, yeah, to summarize the parts, the challenge shed is about customizing the strategy for local organizations. That's I really that's key also for me. Uh, so thanks for for hitting that spot on. Um, so uh, yeah, thanks a lot, guys, for relevant comment here. Uh, thank you, Mick, for a great question. On to the last question we have for the podcast today is Darshanas, and he wants to know how do you build or evaluate trust when it comes to the delivery and commitment of distributed teams across the globe? What's the thinking behind that one, Darshana? Yeah, uh, thank you, Sam. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about why wa why wasn't the distributed teams a thing some times ago uh, before before the uh, global phenomena COVID again. So, so the question is why we had officers in the first place, why everybody wanted to travel to the office, work together, why exactly? Uh, so most organizations took it right. I, I'm not saying all the organizations did it uh, because due to trust issues, but trust was part of it. Uh, so it, it is unspoken truth, uh, I, I think, because how can I trust the, these people are gonna do what they need? Like, like for a software engineer, how, how do I trust like instead of developing things, uh, doing things that he's gonna play some games or something like that? How how can I know? Because you know in office environment I can't do it uh, like most of the time, but sometimes some people do. But what I point is like from a granular like objective level and a pragmatic level, how can you have trust? Uh, or how can you make sure okay I can trust my team? I don't know like I can't see them. Or like I, I can't I do not know what they're gonna do, but how can I trust them? Uh, they have the capacity to deliver what I need to like uh, keep going uh, as organization or like uh, or, or like as a business. So that that's was uh, the uh, question was uh, uh, it, it's not to like point out uh, like all the organizations in the world took it wrong or something like that. But I'm trying to say is sometimes this COVID made them to adapt, forced them to adapt to a certain degree to have homework set up and everything to have that but it's still trust is still something that uh, people are trying to achieve uh, so this is the context for my question thank you darshana and handing it over to, to uber first a couple of years ago <clears throat> i was part of a small corporate gathering slash event in iceland and one of the main topics it was trust and the presenter slash facilitator had an interesting question. What is trust? And one of the definitions, and actually the manifestation, it was relatively simple because he said that trust, it is instantaneous. Either you trust somebody or you don't. And it started to, it started a process in me to think about, okay, what is trust? Because for me, the situation it is not that straightforward. For me, it is much more like a spectrum, a scale, because one can have trust, but also in the same time, trust and trust, perhaps it is not comparable. If I'm thinking about estimations, it is the same thing. Yes, I can estimate, I can have a number, I can have whatever it represents, but perhaps they are not comparable. And also it has multiple properties associated. Uh, if I'm thinking about the estimation, of course, it will have some certainty, it will have uncertainties, and of course, by the nature, at the end of the day, you will end up with something which is not concrete enough. Either you put in as much effort as actually executing, then you will know, or you are trying to see and trying to figure out what the future will be. And as far as I know, we are not fortune tellers, at least not in a good way. On the other hand, for me, 
I think it is much more important how to build up the trust after you are losing it, because it is equally important to know when not to trust. At the end of the day, as many of you have pointed out, we are delivering and we are working with software, we are working with different disciplines and we need to deliver certain things. And if I am not comfortable, if I do not trust the people to deliver whatever I need in the quality and with the standards which I need, then I need to act. And of course, a couple of times people can play plus uh, if they are not delivering in the way how we have agreed what is expected of them, then trust can suffer. And at the end of the day, you will need to figure out how to build up the trust again. And that is the journey because the instantaneous trust. OK, I don't know you. Do I trust you? Yes. Until something happens, then automatically it will be a split second and I will not trust you. And it is the same process. So for me, that doesn't really give too much value. And if I'm thinking about my past, usually I tend to be a little bit more skeptic and I try to work with the people to build up the trust and not just assume that everybody is just perfect. Because at the end of the day, perhaps I do have a different view, I do have different values, I do have a different background and a different understanding. So having a common standard and having a common understanding what trust is and how to build it, it is equally important. So as a leader, for me, it is essential to know what trust is, what I believe in, which are my values and how others can uh, believe in what I believe in. So given this whole situation from my side, Again, just to recap, trust, it is a scale and everybody, it will fit somewhere. Some will have more trust, some will have less trust. And of course, as with everything, everything can be improved. And that's what we are trying to do here. Thank you, Huber. Christian, you're up to follow that one. Yeah. Uh, that uh, that was a very interesting answer. So first of all, I'm uh, I'm a little bit doubtful to call uh, COVID a global phenomenon, but uh, I think uh, that um, to the topic um, uh, tr on trust here, um, <laughs> something I uh, work with a lot in the past, uh, and I think trust is something you build over time. Uh, it's not something that is uh, given in a moment, but of course, it's there's a cultural aspect in that too. Um, when it comes to distributed teams um, and and delivery commitment, uh, I think it is very similar. It comes down to, as previously mentioned, the the goals you've set and 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 then having the open dialogues in uh, in in the follow up on on these things to say like, hey, um, are we are we following the goals? Are we um, moving? And it depends, of course, the context you operate in, right? If you let's have a software engineering team and you have an HR setup and you have some daily uh, daily check-ins um, where you are in an ideal scenario, honestly speaking, they seldom work ideally. Uh, but but you raise those concern uh, to your team, and that is a symbol of trust uh, towards the team to bring that up. Uh, but you can also do it in a in in a um, in a direct way, so you know, that there would be a one-to-one -one relationship i guess uh could be from engineer to engineer also and and that itself could take place despite of being distributed or not or or, or across the team so i think in, in the in the team distribution sense it's more of have you established again the culture uh that you can rely on each other and and i think where i started it's something you get over time. So trust is built on confidence as well. Do you have confidence at the team? Do you have confidence that your your peer is able to lift the task? And if not, then you need to step in and you need to help out. Uh, and that's where the team dynamics kick in. Um, and I think this is the case if you're physically together or if you're distributed. Um, the magic of working together is really that you then also over time establish that trust by doing things together. Uh, that's also why we have um, 
team offsites, team building engagements, right? It's to to uh, to get together, do something, maybe not work related or directly work related, but to have some problem solving and and sit together and have some tasks that then actually opens up the conversations and open up um, some sort of engagement towards each other. And and I think that's really where the gold lies in this. Thank you, Christian. Mick, over to you. Thanks, Sam. And um, <clears throat> the silence. Touching upon a, a relevant topic for me also here, uh, so thanks for ra raising the question. Uh, you might want to look up uh, someone called Amy Edmondson. Uh, she's working with a more modern phrasing of the word trust, which is called psychological safety. Um, and those uh, the elements in her framework are touching upon some of the same elements we're touching on with, regarding trust here. And uh, just to 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 concur with the with the what Huben and Christian also said here, she's um, she's emphasizing on three major or main elements of trust or psychological safety in a team, uh, in order for them to you know commit to deliveries or being engaged or, or or let's say feel they add value. And one of the first things we as leaders are able to work with is setting the stage or setting the scene. And meant by that, there is a, a, let's say, frame the work, make sure that they understand what they're supposed to do. Uh, so uh, back to your question here, how would you know if they're gaming uh, on their PCs or laptop uh, during, uh, during their work time? Short answer, you cannot <laughs> when they're distributed teams. Um, but you would ask your question, why would they be playing a game during the work time, right? That is most probably the right thing to to address here like why would they do so and that's the back to to you as the manager that is your responsibility to make sure that they also feel they have responsibility that they have uh, they know the commitment towards the organization and the value that they add so it's about setting the stage and emphasizing the purpose of their work might be some of the reasons why they are gaming or doing different activities, mountain biking or whatever, because they're not sure of what are they adding of value? What, are, what is their role in the organization? Um, the two other things that you can that that you could also address here is uh, the participation part or invite for participation. Christian also touched a little bit upon that. You know, you could be asking questions, listen more openly, be, be more, let's say, open towards feedback, uh, showing humility as a manager, say, okay, guys, uh, none of us here are perfect. I'm as a manager, share some personal experiences of you as a manager where you have, uh, you know, shown uh, humility and, uh, and uh, let's say vulnerability towards the team. That would emphasize maybe someone being not afraid of failing or, you know, uh, showing more courage or risk taking in that regard. Uh, so that part is also about setting structured and guidelines for the team that allows this participation across borders uh, in distributed teams. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, those are some of the elements, but uh, but yeah, that, that framework really uh, could help a lot. Uh, we worked with it recently, so uh, so definitely, I hope it's useful. Thank you, Mick. And uh, I'm going to shamelessly plug uh, a podcast I did about a month or so ago on psychological safety. Um, definitely a great shout. But Darshana, coming to you to to conclude us for today. Yeah, thank you, thank you, everyone. It, it like you guys actually touched the most core. Of, of the mindset as an organization or as a manager that to, who's responsible for your team uh, to uh, deliver at the same time, make sure the team is doing okay and they are achieving what they want. So uh, yeah, so I will uh, break it down to two parts. First is, as Suba said, trust has ephemeral nature of it. Like it's, 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 some, it's something similar to like uh, life, like it's always ephemeral. So it is not a constant state. So I think as a manager, I will emphasize on first thing, what sh you shouldn't do, don't get paranoid. Don't, don't get into paranoia. As, uh, as Mick said, there's no way you could know, but I have seen uh, some, uh, some um, uh, traditions tend to like suddenly falling back to the basic instruct surveilling, or like trying to monitor, like install some kind of a tool, take screenshots or check the webcam or like what they are doing or something like that. My suggestion is that will not exactly improve the performance or the things that you can try to achieve. Uh, I'm not. I think it may or it has a tendency with my past experience 
it will not work to a certain degree. You may know what they are doing, but at the same time, you will not get what you want in the first place. So uh, take it as a two things. First of all, think about how you can build trust in a, a remote organization and how you can evaluate trust. So have a process for the both. For the building the trust, I think, yes, uh, Christian, Mick, and Huda uh, shared many things about that. Uh, so how to build the trust in the first place, like setting expectations, having team activities, like the cultural awareness, using collaborative tools so everybody can collaborate at the same time. So that's how you build the trust and setting expectations, etc. Apart from that, for how do you evaluate trust? So the evaluating trust, I think you need to have some kind of a performance matrix with you uh to like otherwise there is no way to like evaluate it again so then it will be maybe on the developers depend on the completion rate or the quality of work you have to do have some performance metrics if it is me that means you should stop there okay i evaluate the trust it's good i have it and apart from that always focus on i think having a long-term relationship i i think always work towards that because the longer you work with a certain team you know it doesn't matter under which circumstances they are, doesn't matter in which uh, geographical location they are in, they would still deliver and they have the best for your organization. So always in, in, invest on having a long-term relationship contrast to having a short-term gain. What I'm trying to say is, uh, since due to trust is ephemeral, don't always uh, try to give feedback based on that. Uh, trying to have some empathetic long-term relationship building capability because people would really appreciate that and uh, that will help you as a manager uh, when, when, when you are in need. Uh, yeah, uh, that's, that's the only thing that I want to share. Over to you, Sam. Thank you, Darshana. And I think we'll leave it there today. This has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I want to take this opportunity to thank Mick, Darshana, Uber, and Christian for providing their insights into the topic. And of course, thank you for listening. If you would like to get involved in one of the upcoming podcasts, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn or via email at sam.williamson at evolution-nordics.com. See you next time.